Johnny Cage, Kenobu, Kang, Raiden, Scorpion, Sonya Blade, Sub-Zero, Goro, Shang, Zora, Tabaraka, J-Jack, Kintaro, Kitana, Kung Lao, Merlini, Nanook, Sebat, Stout, Shao Kahn, Fung, Chameleon, Cyrax, Earth, Makabo, Motaro, Nightwolf, Insector, Sheep, The Sindel, Striker, Fu, Jin, Quan, Shi, Shin, Oxo, Rina, Jerick, Kaimi, Reiko, Tanya, Tremor, Blade, Go, Ryan, Welcome to Mortal Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Meckler, and this is the show where I walk my friends through the entirety of Mortal Kombat lore from the perspective of a single character. Today, very special guest, Big Quan Chi Head, writer, comedian, uh, Bon Vivant, Kamel Nanjiani. How you doing, Kamel? Hey, I'm great. How are you? Wonderful. Well, just to set the context for people, right now is like the blue check apocalypse is going on mm-hmm. on Twitter. Because, like, Obama and Biden and everybody got hacked, so, like, <laughs> the, the verified people can't tweet right now. So, just so you know, I'm setting the stage for what's going on. Yeah. The only reason that Kumail agreed to do this podcast is that neither of us can tweet. Until Twitter figures out what, what, what the fuck happened, this podcast goes on. Another bit <laughs> of context is you have, this week, single-handedly taken down an East side la institution it's true i uh i retweeted or i tweeted so okay so what the what happened was my wife uh i got out of the shower and my wife goes squirrel is bad i said what what are you talking about she goes on instagram this guy is like exposing squirrel all these employees are talking to him squirrel is like a very hip super like big time gentrifier restaurant in uh east hollywood area of LA, if that means anything to you. They're famous for selling their jam. And apparently uh, their jam has been kept in, I don't know, a festering fucking pit of mold. I mean, (laughs) that picture is grotesque. And it was so... Because, you know, okay, so I'll I'll say this. Um, Squirrel is, as you said, it's like the hip place. If somebody's coming into town and is like, I want an Instagrammable brunch, Mm -hmm. that's where you go. And it's one of those places that's so fucking obnoxious. You got to go stand in line for a long time. They made you, they used to make you sit on crates. Yeah. Um, Now they have like horrible metal chairs. Um, (laughs) It's all pretty people looking to see and be seen, you know. The only thing that makes it worse is that the food is really good. <laughs> and I yeah. will, you know, when this was happening, everyone, there were a lot of people on Twitter being like, oh, I never went. I, I, I'm not ashamed to admit I've been there about 40 times. I had squirrel jam in the fridge, threw it out. My wife is from the South and to her refrigeration is optional. So mm. that picture was like fine for her. Like we had to have a discussion on whether or not to <laughs> throw the jam out. I was like, honey, I am going to get rid of this. There is no way. But um, but yeah, you started tweeting about it. You took screen caps from this other guy who had like been collecting these stories. So credit to that guy, Joe Rosenthal, I think. Joe Rosenthal. Yeah. Something like that. And um, 
But you're the one who like sort of brought it to the mainstream and it became a huge story and LA Times did a story on it and and I think that place is now done. So it's it's congrats, cooked. Congrats, man. I'm mostly curious whether they're going to release their jam cookbook that was scheduled to come out in like two weeks. It's coming out so soon. It's, <laughs> it's very exciting. Insane. I it's one of those things where I'm like huge, was this yeah. a hit on the book? Is that why it was right now? Or is it just well, like it, unbelievable luck that this is when... what well, it happens, you know, whenever like uh, uh, something is coming out, someone's in the news, that's usually when they get when they get taken down. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's any coming back from this. That picture is tough. It's also got a healthy... It's everything you want in a quarantine story, you know? It's like distracting you from the main problem. Mm-hmm. It's somewhat related in that it is microorganism-based, but in a way that's... <laughs> <laughs> Not exactly relevant yeah. to like our lives. Healthy dose of Schadenfreude. It's just got a lot going on for it. It's perfect. It couldn't have happened uh, to a more perfect place at a more perfect time because there's a lot of elements of you know classism, uh, just in it being squirrel. It was really it was it was a it was a perfect storm. It was great to be upset about something new. Yeah, what yeah. a joy. Um, but that's not what we're here for. No, I mean, you know, it, it helps, but no, it's not. It's not <laughs> what we're here for. We're, we're here to talk about necromancers, uh, as one is wont to do. Um, but uh, something I like to do on this podcast before we really dig into the story that we'll be covering in today's episode is just talk a little bit about, Camille, like, what's your history with Mortal Kombat? Because you actually reached out to me about doing the podcast, and I, I've known you to be a Mortal Kombat fan. I think I've seen you tweeting about it with uh, former guest Ron Funches. Um, you guys play Mortal Kombat together, right? We did. We haven't played in a while. Um, I like playing with Ron because he, we both get upset. We're both very competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we, I, we had what we once had a party, like a Silicon Valley party that sort of turned into a Mortal Kombat thing, uh, with a big <laughs> screen. And I kind of, this, it's a bit lame. I brought my- <laughs> <laughs> I brought my own controller to a party, <laughs> and I at that point you do have to beat everyone, and I did. But he got upset because he thought I was cheesing. Here's my history with Mortal Kombat. I have been a fan since the first Mortal Kombat. I used to go to the arcade. Street Fighter Two was always packed. One day I went in. Street Fighter Two was empty. I was like, that's amazing. Played a little bit, then I noticed an area packed. I walked over, and it was Mortal Kombat. Mm. Um. And I just fell in love with the game immediately. It was one of those, you know, at that time I had a Sega Genesis. Before the game came out, before I really played it, I looked at all the characters, decided who, like, my guy was going to be just based on vibe. Who was your I first guy? Kano. Ooh. Kano is the guy I wanted, but then I realized that all his moves are, like, charge moves, back-forward yeah. moves. I like, it's easier for me to do the fireball moves. Mm-hmm. So then the Kano, Kano love didn't last very long. Uh, went to Liu Kang for a while. Then Mortal Kombat 2, I was in Pakistan at this time. We, I actually got a bootleg copy. I, I had a Super Nintendo by then. A bootleg, bootleg copy of Mortal Kombat 2 before it ever came out. And in this copy, Baraka was two feet off the ground all the time. <laughs> and, and if you did, who was the fan, Molina or Katana? Uh, Katana. If you did one of Katana's moves, I forget which one, but it's down, back, and a (laughs) button, the game would freeze. So (laughs) I had that copy. Um, And then I remember my friend got a real copy, and I drove over to his house. He was like, you can borrow it. 
to borrow it from him. And I remember feeling such a sense of gratitude to this man. <laughs> um, so I've played every single Mortal Kombat game. When Emily and I first started dating, Mortal Kombat Armageddon was the one that mm. we really, really played a lot. Um, so I'm an old school Mortal Kombat fan, played all the, I would say all the the main games, have not played. I played the um, Kung Lao side-scroller, but did not oh, yeah. play the other side-scroller. MK I Mythologies think the... Sub-Zero? Yeah, I did not play that one. I there was also the a Kung third, La- even less played one called MK Mythologies Special Forces about Jax. Yeah, I remember that one. Yeah. Um, so I, I have played every single Mortal Kombat, I would say, pretty extensively. Mm-hmm. Got really into 10 and 11 to the point where I had a big, the big joystick. I still have them. Big conversation about whether to get rid of it or not. Anyway, <laughs> but I played so much, I had to stop because I got like pretty good at it and I'd play online a lot and I started having back problems because I was hunched over. Oh, shit. And so tense while playing it. Um, it's one of the few IPs, I think, that has started off trashy and has grown in respectability. Like, that and Fast and the Furious are the only, like, franchises I can think of that, that yeah. did that. But hu- huge Mortal Kombat fan from, from the beginning. I think you could also compare it to, like, you know, comic book movies in general started out, like, pretty unrespected. And now they disrespected. And now they are it you know they're they are pop culture yeah. they have like the epic storytelling and they expect you to remember like what this character was doing last week and and it feels like mk's gotten there now like the mortal kombat 11 storyline felt like you were watching a modern event movie except uh people's spines get ripped out of their backs and there's like sorcerers and and bug people yeah i think that the new mortal kombat in the games that the writing has gotten really really good and it rides that line of because, you know, the characters are ridiculous. The world <laughs> is ridiculous. So obviously it can't take itself too seriously. But I think the new ones take themselves just seriously enough. They're funny enough. They're, they're campy enough. And just the fighting is, is so, so good. I'm a big fan of in- the Injustice franchise as well, which is yeah. basically Mortal Kombat with DC superheroes. But, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big Mortal Kombat fan. But I will admit... I have never fully been able to parse through all the storylines. I tried once a couple of years ago. I was like, all right, I'm going to sit down and figure this out. And I just couldn't. <laughs> I, I want to know what that day was like where you were like, I got a few hours. I'm just going to sit down. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to the bottom of this. Well, what <laughs> I learned in those few hours was I know Earthrealm. I know Netherrealm. Mm-hmm. I know Outworld. Already too many realms, guys. Like yeah. that's three is too many realms. One basic realm and then one other realm. I think that's all we have brain space for. But then I found out that there's like more realms on top of that. Oh man, uh, buddy, yeah, there are millions of realms. You're blowing my mind right now. Do you want to know why? <laughs> why? Because in the mythology of Sub Zero, at the sorry, in the mythology of Mortal Kombat, at the dawn of time. There was the one being, and it was like this big celestial god-like being. And he made the Elder Gods to have like a pantheon that would help him create life, create the universe, time, and space. But the Elder Gods were like, well, hold on. You're telling me we're going to make all these realms, and then you're going to be in charge of them? We should be in charge. So they hacked the one being into millions of pieces, and those pieces became the realms. So not so only each, are there millions of realms, but each realm is like a 
fraction of God, basically, of, of the one being. And that one being has never been a character, per se, in the no. comics beyond. Although in Armageddon, which you played a lot, you know how they're all fighting to get to the top of that pyramid in that game? Like, right. the whole game is about who's getting to the top of the pyramid? They were trying right. to attain the power of the one being. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. Lot, it's it's like deep lore stuff you have to like look for, which is weird. Like even the phrase one being is like casually dropped throughout the games, but it's not. Like, I know. Yeah. I, I'm just like at this point, I think it's, you know, obviously I know the, the main characters, Sub-Zero, Scorpion, Jax and, and, and all those guys. I know their stories. Um, I just have like good guys and bad guys. That's how I go. And you can kind of tell by looking at them. And yeah. I know some of them are a little hazy, like Scorpion. Um, I love uh, when Liu Kang died. When was that? Oh, yeah, that was tight. Mortal Kombat. Well, which time? Uh, okay, he, he the died. most recent time. <laughs> Nine? I think that was Mortal Kombat. Nine, the reboot? Yeah. Yeah, yeah this is great. Yeah, it was really tight. Uh, I mean, that's the kind of thing that I really love, too, about the storytelling in these games is like they really do take big swings. They take chances. That's right. They're not. They're they not. Really uh, do. Uh, do characters die and then immediately get resurrected? Yes. But are they pretty cavalier about who dies? Yes. So yes. that's something. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's 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 great, and I love. Um, you know, in the beginning when they first started bringing in like the robot ninjas, Ugh, the, the purist in me. Uh, yeah, those Cyrax and all those guys. <laughs> I was like. This doesn't fit the world. The world is more like magical magic to me. It's not like robot ninjas. But then I was like, I'm thinking about this too hard. Yeah. Robot ninjas are fun. Who am I to complain about robot ninjas? Sure. And, and so, so now I'm sort of on board with all the insanity of it. Yeah. Only when I was digging into uh, Smoke's story, one of the robot ninjas, did I realize that he's a magic in a sci-fi. Smoke already has a demon inside him that gives him the smoke powers. And then he's in the robot body. So he's also a robot with magic powers. So Why they're not? really just like, yeah, they, they just go for it. They go for it. Go for it. Go for it. Um, uh, and Smoke is a character that started as sort of an unlockable secret character, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was like one of those hidden yeah. like palette swap ninjas. But for some reason, yeah. they were like, what's another color we could do? How about gray? <laughs> yeah, right. The, the least exciting the color, color there is. Yeah. Right. The, the most apathetic color there mm -hmm. is. Yeah. Uh, who do you play as these days? So it's sort of been, I haven't played, you know, I, I know that this new DLC that just came out or is coming out. So I haven't like, I haven't, I haven't like dove back into it because I'm a little nervous about it taking over my life these mm -hmm. days yeah. in quarantine. You know, I, I've sort of kept a pretty strict schedule to my life, including the weekends when I go to bed, when I wake up all that. And it's a... A delicate balance, my friend. And so I'm afraid <laughs> to get into something that's going to like suck my life because the problem with Mortal Kombat and all fighting games that I've had, you know, Emily's a big gamer too. We play mm -hmm. games all the time. She won't play one-on-one -on -one fighting games with me because I get really obsessed. And when we first get a new game, we're even. And then in two days, I've learned all the moves and looked up like all the, all the things and and so I get really obsessed with them. And right now, when I need to be very intentional about what I'm doing and not doing, it doesn't feel like the right time <laughs> to get into another Mortal Kombat game. I know it seems like I've thought about this a lot, but I have time to think a lot these days. Yeah. Um, but uh, Kung Lao was my last sort of guy that yeah, I got really good. into. Actually, it was, um, it was Kung Lao. And then the last, last guy was, uh, uh, what's his name? Jin, um, the... Uh, uh, the 
the guy with the bow and arrows. Oh, uh, Kung Jin. Yeah. So you're sticking I to that love... family line. The... Yeah, because you know with Kung Jin, you can really like zone really well. You could do a lot of. He has a lot of different projectiles. Yeah. So you, the good combination with him is he can use them to keep people at bay, and if they get close, he has he has moves that he can use to get some distance between people. So yeah, Kung Jin, I really really. That's that's my guy right now. I would. He's say. good. I want them to bring him back. He dipped. He was in one game, and that was it. Yeah, and then they were like, "By the way, he's gay." Like, okay, great. <laughs> just just bring yeah. him back. I want to play him. Yeah, bring him back. Make him gayer. I mean, it's probably a note I have. Go for it. Make yeah. him gayer. I want to play the game. I just uh, yeah. So so Kung Jin wasn't in eleven, huh? So then I probably went back to Kung Lao. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, but I, I try mean, all the characters. I do the story, figure out who I like. And then right. I go with them. I will say with the DLC, I have found Fujin to be really fun to play as. That's been the one guy that I'm like, oh, yeah, I'd play as him regularly. But mostly okay. I, I'm a Liu Kang guy in MK11, which is funny because I never liked Liu Kang because he was the least fantasy. But now I'm like, okay, now he's got like fire god powers. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, um, Liu Kang is fun, yeah. Yeah. Uh, before we jump on the Quan Chi train, we're talking about Quan Chi today. Uh, I got one last question for you. Uh, every season of Mortal Podcast has a theme um, based on the characters that were introduced in that game. So we're talking about the characters introduced in Mortal Kombat 4. This is season four of Mortal Podcast. And looking at the characters introduced, the season one theme... Four season four of a podcast about yeah. Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Props. Thank you. Thank Respect. you. Respect. It's nice to know that it's finite and one day I'll be free, but I refuse to stop until I get through every single character. So we're like halfway through the podcast at this point. Wow. Yeah. Great. Great place to be. Yeah. Uh, But uh, looking at the characters introduced in Mortal Kombat 4, the theme that I would say ties them all together is betrayal. These are all people who have either been betrayed or are betrayers. Character we're talking about today, big time betrayer. But considering that that is the theme of the season, I ask you, Kamel, is there a time in your life that you have been betrayed? Oh, Yeah. I I mean, the worst betrayal I ever had was I'm not a big board game guy. You know, I've tried, but this time, this one, uh, I was in college and there was a game that uh, a game called Diplomacy that everybody played. Mm, and, mm-hmm. you know, all, all my friends were playing it and I just never was interested. And then one day I was like, you know what? They, they were like, come, it's so fun. I was like, sure, I'll do it. So I did. I did this thing and and this, uh, you know, you go into your different rooms and you talk about like, uh, uh, I'll give you this now and then next turn you give me this or whatever. And there was a guy, a friend of mine who was like, so just give me this, this turn and next turn I'll give you this. And I said, sure, I know this guy. This guy's great. And then I gave him the thing. And then he just didn't give me whatever he wanted back the next time. And I felt so betrayed and devastated i was like you looked me in the face and you said this to me and <laughs> do you remember like, what was game. traded i dude that's the only time i played the game i'm never gonna play that game again <laughs> and um i have you know and he knows that i'm still like sort of upset about it <laughs> um i'm i was genuinely like a little bit my faith in humanity was shaken just right. A little bit more. I'm a very optimistic person. Generally, I'm a trusting person. But I will say, me before diplomacy and me after diplomacy, there is a 
It's a bit of a difference. Um, <laughs> I have like a video game night. You know, like I said, I have a big schedule. So Wednesday sure. nights is video game night. I sort of get online with a bunch of friends and we play. And those guys are big into diplomacy and stuff too. And I'm like, I am never, I am not going to do that game. I I'm not going to do any sort of negotiation game. I want to do skill. I understand. I, uh, I, as listeners know, uh, my everyone's got their like weird quarantine freak out. Like their thing that all of a sudden they like obsessed over right when the quarantine hit is like I can fixate on this and that will help anchor me. I was never. A and yours was person. to bring down uh, fancy brunch yes. places. Yeah. In your neighborhood, I was like, I'm going to commit my entire quarantine to exposing the fact that there was a butthole cut of cats and that the squirrel restaurant uh, is using <laughs> mold jelly. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I, I like weirdly with no reason out of nowhere one day was like I'm obsessed with board games now and i got a shitload of board games and that's been my thing to like honestly to make sure that there's like a thing that i do that does not have a screen that i can do with my wife since it's just the two of us here all day um that is like a fun activity that's not work because i tend to overwork myself and so i got like way way into it and i discovered that there are cooperative board games which oh that's what i need yeah which you and one would think though i'll say like well, this is a good opportunity to do something nice together where you're not at each other's throats, and at the end of the game, you're happy because you beat something together. And I got uh, my writing partner, Chris Amick, for my birthday, did a fucking insane thing, and he got me this $150 board game called Gloomhaven that weighs like 40 pounds, comes in a box that's as big as my torso, <laughs> and uh, is basically like an RPG in a box. It's, it's got a zillion pieces. It's it's unbearable. I had to order a box organizer from Ukraine just to organize the pieces. What's in a the box, box organizer? A bunch of pieces of wood that I had to hammer together with a rubber mallet, which I also had to get just to put the pieces in some semblance of organization <laughs> so that it would be playable. But I will say, my wife, I found out as soon as we started playing this game and other cooperative board games, was like, "Well, I don't I don't like cooperative board games. I want to beat you in a competitive board game." Really? <laughs> yeah. You know, I I that's interesting. I'm really not. Um, so I play online with these guys, but I get too obsessed if I'm playing against people, I realize. So what we play, I play co-op, co-op games mm -hmm. now. So it's um, Gears of War Horde mode, Halo yep. Firefight, that kind of stuff. Sure. Um, I don't want to, or, or if it's groups, I'll play with like people I know. I don't like playing against people because I think it was Halo 3 when I got, I was in New York. We just moved. Didn't have money. Didn't have a job. No career prospects. And I just got obsessed with Halo 3. And I would play it so much that I would start hearing like different languages because it was like appropriate time for like Chinese people to be playing the game. And that's when I was like, okay, this I have to stop this. <laughs> I was very good. Oh man, I I can honestly say I've never been good at any video game. I play a lot of video games. I've never been good at any of them really Ever. interesting interesting None. Um, i i would say i am i would say i am good at video games uh, i think that's I don't say, inarguable <laughs> and i don't say that in a the height was nba 2k i've played nba 2k since 2k to now i think 2k1 i've played every year i forget which one it was this was in chicago before new york this would have been about 2004 2005 I was ranked 11 in the world. Holy shit. Uh, on Xbox uh, in a game. And I remember I played a guy who was ranked third in the world. And he beat me. And at the end, he was like, 
hey, you got game, man. And that's when I was like, I have to stop. Oh, <laughs> I my cannot God. do this anymore. <laughs> I love that there's another timeline where you never became an actor, never became a writer, never became a comedian. You just became an esports guy. <laughs> I have wondered. I was like, if I like get burned out in this industry, I will, of course, pick another extremely competitive and stressful industry. But, mm. I, but I do have a thing where I'm like, if I need to take a break from this for a year, I'm going to... I'm going to go do esports, find something. But, you know, it's 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 already, you know, I'm probably too old because you're just little bit of reflexes that slow down after mm -hmm. like the age of 24. Like that's the difference between like people who win and people who lose. That makes sense. I've seen a lot of documentaries about about <laughs> esports competitors. And that's that's what I've heard. I do think it would be kind of fun, though, if you like you know, stuck it out, won your Oscar, and then became an esports star. Yeah, yeah, yeah like totally. Like uh, <laughs> like Daniel Day-Lewis going to make shoes or whatever. Yeah. He's like, oh, I just play Mortal Kombat now. I think Daniel Day-Lewis should become an esports star. I would love to see I, that. We got to get Paul Thomas he... Anderson to cast him in an esports movie so oh. that he can become an esports guy. I don't know if he'd be good at it, but I'm sure he'd be very intense at he'd it. He'd figure it out. He'd figure it out. He'd get good at I it. I think if so. If he could just decide yeah. to become a cobbler, I feel like you can get good at esports. <laughs> They're about the same. Anyway, we should we should get talking about Quan Chi, because this guy's you got a whole saga onto himself. <laughs> I'm excited. Um, I think that this character is super cool. I love his look. Uh, uh, I've played him. I've never. He's never been like my main guy, but it's certainly a guy that I've played a bunch over the years. Um, definitely when you mentioned Quan Chi, I was very excited because he's one of my, I would say, top seven to eight mortal combatants. Hell yeah. Same. I like that he's got green magic. I like that he's got little, like, demon familiars. I like that he's adorned with skulls and shit. He's cool. Yeah, what's not to love? What's not to love? There's a reason they made him, like, the face of Mortal Kombat 4 when that game came out. They didn't go with Shinnok, his boss. They just went with Quan Chi. Yeah, he looks cool. Here's an interesting thing about Quan Chi... Unlike a lot of Mortal Kombat, like a lot of the Mortal Kombat characters, they really go through the trouble of saying, here is when they were fucking born. Here's like the locate. Here's their birthday. Here's everything from day one. Quan Chi, we do not know where he's from. I even texted my buddy who wrote Mortal Kombat 11, who's been on the show before, Sean Kittleson. And I said, you know, you've seen all of the Mortal Kombat lore. You know everything. Where's Quan Chi from? I can't figure it out. And he said, I don't think anyone knows. No one knows. <laughs> How cool is that? Yeah. That's great. So as far as we know, the very first thing anyone can track with Quan Chi is that he was a wandering sorcerer who somehow, unlike everyone else, had the ability to move between the realms without being detected by the Elder Gods. Because the one rule, you know, I told you the one, the Elder Gods made the realms by slicing up the one being. Yeah, Their yeah, whole yeah. thing is like, we don't want people from other realms meeting each other. We don't want realms conquering each other. Um, specifically because We don't that, want... They're basically Trump when it comes to people hopping between, like, they're, like, strict, yeah. like, build no. a wall between the realms. Yeah, they're like, we need borders. Uh, borders protect us. We don't want a caravan from Outworld coming to yeah. Earth realm. They're like, your house has a wall? Why wouldn't the realms? Sure, exactly. <laughs> um, and for them, it's more uh, this kind of heady concept that, like, you know, if people started merging the realms, the one being would be reassembled and would be pissed about, you know, getting hacked up into millions of pieces, be like zombie Caesar coming back to get revenge on Brutus, so they don't want that. So uh, that's kind of why they created the Mortal Kombat tournament in the first place, was they were like, all right, look, if you want to merge with another realm, 
you have to beat it in 10 fighting tournaments in a row. It's a surefire way to make sure these realms don't merge. <laughs> I have a question. When did this... <laughs> Uh, the the old one. What's his name? The the, the one, one being. being? Mm -hmm. Yeah. When did that come into the mythology? That's a good question. I want to say he was in there around that like first batch of games, like three John maybe. Tobias. Two, yeah, three? I want to say it was it within the first three games that like John Tobias okay. was the main guy writing on, and he's also been on the show before, and and he. There were some elements of the mythology where he was like, I don't know, that was after me. But I want to say the one being, a lot of his creation of like a lot of the Mortal Kombat like elements, he was following Star Wars' lead and just kind of dropping words and hints that would be exciting to think about. And then sure. much later on, other writers came on and extrapolated what that was. I see. Yeah, yeah that so, makes sense. That makes sense. Okay. I. Yeah. By the way, I just remembered I had a friend in college from Chicago and Midway. Mm. I don't know if they're still in Chicago, but they're from Chicago. But he said that his uh, priest at his church was the model for one of the fighters in the first or second game. Oh, my God. I need to know yeah. <laughs> which which of the Mortal Kombat characters is a priest in real I, life. It, a, I, I think it was Liu Kang, or I don't remember, but this wow. guy was a martial artist. My friend was Korean, and he went to a Korean church, so I assume this priest was Korean. Uh, hmm. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look it up. All right. Man. Yeah, Liu Kang would make sense. That's wild. Yeah, yeah. I've seen those videos, you know, the, the filming that they, they, go, they, they go viral every now and then. Anyway, so Quan Chi was able to move between realms. He was able to move without between being realms. A, He's being without a, being, without yeah, he's, a visa, yeah. Right, he's just being like a sneaky little guy, sneaking around realms, goofing off, presumably doing necromancy shit, because that's his whole gag. And uh, eventually he arrives at the Nether Realm, which is basically if hell was a dimension, uh, Event Horizon style. And he comes across a fallen elder god named Shinnok, who right. is, you know, basically the Lucifer of the Mortal Kombat franchise. He was an elder god. He decided he wanted to control humanity and all the other realms himself, and so they banished him to the Nether Realm. Um, what's ironic is that Lucifer is also canon in Mortal Kombat and was actually the god of the Nether Realm at this time and was the person who was imprisoning Shinnok in the Nether Realm. I did not know that. Yeah. <laughs> what other like is Job in Mortal uh, I Kombat? I don't think Job's in Mortal Kombat. <laughs> he might be part of like Earth Realm mythology, but yeah. not part of. Right. Sure, yeah. I, you got Hashem wow. in the Hasid realm. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like a wild thing that's just casually mentioned, I think, like once in like one character ending. And everyone who cares about Mortal Kombat lore just had to be like, I guess that's true. Lucifer oh, that, was oh, that... the god of the Nether Realm. <laughs> yeah, throw that on the pile. Okay, yeah. so he ends up in the Nether Realm. Yeah, so Quan Chi gets there, he gets to, like, hell, and he sees Shinnok, like, in shackles, and Shinnok says, hey, sorcerer kid, over here, man. And Quan Chi goes up to Shinnok, and Shinnok says, listen, I'm trying to get out of here. I've been tortured by Lucifer for thousands of years. It blows. Um, if you help me assassinate this Lucifer guy and take over the Nether Realm, I'll make you, and this is the specific title that was offered per Mortal Kombat lore, I will make you my arch sorcerer. <laughs> Okay, wow, and that's a sought-after position. Yeah. I mean, all the sorcerers are looking to be the arch-sorcerer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Quan Chi was like, arch-sorcerer, that sounds like a thing. So together, the two of them murdered Lucifer <laughs> and, wow. and uh, took over the Nether Realm. 
This happens all off screen, I assume. This so so whenever yeah. Quan Chi showed up, this has all already happened. Yeah, you got to see my fan art to see this happen in real life. But this is all this is all pre <laughs> pre Quan right. Chi rolling into. I think the first game he appeared in was Mortal Kombat Mythologies Sub Zero, which was like the prequel to Mortal Kombat Four. Um, so uh, Quan Chi and Shinnok are running the Nether Realm with Quan Chi as his arch sorcerer, which I assume makes Shinnok the just like sorcerer, main sorcerer, sorcerer supreme. And sure. uh, together they form like this cult called the Brotherhood of Darkness, which right. is basically just like a name they give to their like club of Oni demons in the Nether Realm that are like, yeah, we're. I mean, we're, we all kind of literally are ruled by you, but if you want to put, like, a label on it, that's fine. I mean, if you're going to put a label on something Brotherhood of Darkness, hard to top that. It is. I agree. It's sick. Uh, so, they got the Brotherhood of Darkness. They're ruling the Nether Realm, And it's, it's like, uh, clearly they're, they're inches away from their goal, which ultimately is uh, revenge, in that Shinnok wants to get revenge on the Elder Gods. But the way that they want to do that is by conquering the realms and ruling over the realms, which is what anybody who's a villain wants at all. I feel like any time anybody wants to do anything in the Mortal Kombat verse, they have to, like, take over the realms. Like, that's yeah. sort of the only way to get anything done. You need to get a new driver's license? Well, you got to go take over the DMV realm, and then you get a driver's license. Mm -hmm. And if you really want to get deep about it, it's not even because these people have free will and that's what they want. It's because we're all just a part of the one being and what the one being wants is oh. to be reassembled. You guys so can't see it, but one... Camille just got a nosebleed trying to think about... <laughs> the one... <laughs> yeah, I, I, my head is exploding. So, so, <laughs> so, so, so the, the one being is manifesting his or her desires mm -hmm. through the motivation of the combatants who are trying to merge the realms. Yep. Wow. In I'm theory... <laughs> I'm oh sorry, fuck. I'm that's uh, it. Allergic it exploded. To complexity. <laughs> that was it. Man, what if your head had just literally exploded at that moment? Yeah. I probably wouldn't God. finish I'm doing the podcast. Slightly stupider after that sneeze. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, so simultaneous to Shinnok's rise in the Nether Realm and his planning to dominate the realms with Quan Chi's help. Um, in another realm, Outworld, this guy named Shao Kahn uh, is attempting to do the very same thing. He has assembled his own right-hand man, the sorcerer Shang Tsung. They have played in many Mortal Kombat tournaments against many realms and conquered dozens of them and merged them all with Outworld. So Outworld has absorbed Edenia, which is like the realm of hot wizards. They absorbed the vampire realm, which is the realm of vampires. They absorbed like the lizard people realm. And so Shinnok's like, sorry, Shao Kahn is like pretty far along in his plans to dominate the realms. And so Shinnok is like, let's, let's take things at pace, right? Let's see what Shao Kahn's up to. Maybe we wait him out, you know, see what's going on. And uh, in the meantime, we'll just sort of set the stage for what we'll need for our invasion later on down the line. And so Shinnok makes like a shopping list. He's like, Quan Chi, I'm going to need like a bunch of souls and I'm going to need this special amulet. And he says to Quan Chi, like, you're our sorcerer. Go figure that stuff out. Right. I would think anytime Shinnok makes a grocery list, Souls is like close to the top. It's pretty close. Yeah. yeah like yeah, for, for me sure. right now, almond milk, I go through almond milk. For him, mm. it's Souls. How do you feel about oat? Um, 
you know, Emily does not like oat. I like oat milk. Uh, mm. Okay, but I get the vanilla unsweetened almond milk. Is this mm. the first Mortal Kombat podcast where vanilla almond milk has been brought Honestly, in? no, it's uh, not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, that is very, that is, that's a little devastating. I could be misremembering, um, but April Wolf may have brought up almond milk and, and almond so may milk. have Nicole Thurman, yeah. I know that um, there's a new like science that they're making oat milk with, so I haven't mm. really given that much of a shot. But I don't really. I'm just I'm quite happy with my happy with my almond. Okay, so he makes a list of the stuff he wants Quan Chi to get him. Yeah, souls is number one. Mm-hmm. Bunch of stuff. So so yeah, the the main thing on the list is like I want my old amulet back. I really liked that amulet, and I feel like it could really like give us the edge we need to succeed in conquering all of the realms. So Quan Chi, um, in his mission to locate the amulet, uh, finds out that Shang Tsung, who is like Shao Kahn's arch sorcerer, so like his counterpart on the Shao Kahn end of things, uh, that he knows where the amulet is. So he and Shang Tsung meet up, and they kind of get along pretty well. Quan Chi's like, hey, um, is there anything I could get? You know, I want to know where this amulet is. Is there anything uh, that I could give you in exchange and Shang Tsung is like, yeah, we're actually kind of hoping to get the soul of uh, Shao Kahn's ex-wife, Sindel. And Quan Chi is like, dude, I'm from the Nether Realm. I could totally hook you up. So Quan Chi gets him this wife's soul, and uh, Shao- Shang he Tsung is. He just goes and gets Sindel's soul. Just yeah, like that. yeah. He like goes and just fishes it out of the Nether Realm and like hands it over. Uh, and Shang Tsung like slurps it up like a smoothie, and is right. just like, I'll hold on to this until we need it. <laughs> and uh, for yeah. Shao Kahn. Uh, no, Shang Tsung's holding on to it for Shao Kahn. Like, like right. holding... Yeah, yeah, right. Right, and, cool. Uh, and then he's like, Quan Chi, uh, that amulet you're looking for, it's at this place called the Temple of the Elements. Um, it's guarded by a bunch of elementals. So there's like a fire guy, and there's like a wind god. And uh, it's in Earthrealm. And it's like Raiden's hangout. Uh, he's the god that protects Earthrealm. So like, just be careful. He's like kind of tough. And Quan Chi's like, sounds good, man. Thanks a lot. It was really good meeting you, Shang Tsung. I feel like, I don't know, maybe we could buddy up sometime. Anyway, uh, Quan Chi now knows where the amulet is. It's at this temple. But it's dangerous, it's deadly, and here's the way Quan Chi operates just like day to day. He's not like a get-your-hands-dirty kind of dude. He's like, I gotta find someone to do this for me. Oh, and, because uh, he could be. He's very he's formidable with his powers he is but he's like you know you know how like bad rich people know to never spend any money and instead find any way to get other people to spend money instead and that's how you keep your money that's how they get rich in the first place got it yeah that's like quan chi yeah (laughs) he's a piece of shit is what i'm saying so like he oh sure yeah yeah. i mean you look (laughs) at him you know yeah yeah so uh, he comes up with this obscenely fucked up plan, which is the cornerstone of the biggest rivalry in the entire Mortal Kombat universe. It's entirely his fault, and it meant nothing to him, which is wild. So he hires Sub-Zero. He goes to the yes. Lin Kuei. Yeah, he goes to the Lin Kuei, and he says, you guys are like one of the best ninja assassin slash, like, I guess, general purpose contractor ninjas around. Uh, I need you to send a ninja to this temple and, like, retrieve an amulet for me. Who's your best ninja? And they're like, oh, it's obviously Sub-Zero, this guy named Bihan. He's the best. And Quan Chi's like, cool. Uh, I will, in exchange for having Sub-Zero retrieve that amulet for me, I will murder the uh, entirety of your rival clan, the Shirai Ryu, in Japan. And the Lin Kuei in China say, totally, 
go murder the Shirai Ryu. Thank you for your service. We're going to go get that amulet. Then Quan Chi goes to the Shirai Ryu and he goes to their best warrior, Scorpion, and he says, hey, dude, uh, if you could go get me this amulet from the Temple of Elements, I will murder the Lin Kuei. And Scorpion's like, you got it, dude. No problem. Sub-Zero and Scorpion both go to get the amulet. They bump into each other. <laughs> they fight. And Sub-Zero kills Scorpion. And uh, that is a, an integral moment in Mortal Kombat lore, which will so come back does later. So Scor- now does then Scorpion go to the Netherrealm? Yeah, dying? so it's a little unclear how this works. But as best I can tell... Um, generally when people die, their souls go up to, quote, the heavens, where the elder gods, I think, just recycle the souls into other realms. Uh-huh. But if Quan Chi has any, or any, if, if people from the nether realm can broker certain deals, they can claim souls. So I think Quan Chi had kind of made a deal where it was like, if Scorpion or Sub-Zero fuck up, I get their soul. And they were like, okay, cool, no problem. Sure. Um, oh, I should actually say, in the newest one, I did play a lot of Scorpion. Because he has that move where he goes off screen, comes on the other yeah. side. He's got the get over here as, so as annoying. always. He's, yeah, <laughs> I know. I, I, my style of play is very annoying. It's infuriating. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, go on the other side. The, the get over here, he's got fireballs. And he's got that thing where he can make fire come from under you. So yeah. there's just a lot of different, uh, lot of different like uh, attacks. But At so any distance, keep, he can fuck you up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's uh he's great. And and good thing with him is if somebody like I play really fast and if somebody's like trying to block and stuff, there's always some quick way to get around it. Anyway, so so, so Sub- Scorpion Scorpion gets killed by Sub-Zero. Scorpion gets killed by Sub-Zero. His soul goes down to the Nether Realm and then Sub-Zero gets the amulet and brings it back to Quan Chi. And Quan Chi <laughs> Dude loves to monologue. It's like his whole thing. He can't just make sneaky moves. He always has to brag about it to somebody. So well, he, why didn't he? Why didn't Sub Zero check and make sure that Quan Chi had fulfilled his end of the bargain, which is kill all, all of Scorpion's people? Quan Chi did. Quan, Quan Chi did. Quan okay. Chi, as soon as he heard that Sub Zero had the amulet, he went and slaughtered the Shirai Ryu. Okay, got it, got it, got it, got it. Um, so Sub Zero then gives him the amulet. And Quan Chi grabs it and goes, this amulet belonged to Shinnok. You just helped me free a fallen elder god. Fuck you! And he just gives a middle finger and disappears for no reason. I don't know why he felt he had to do that, but he did. Word quickly gets back to Raiden, who's like really pissed, and actually was the person who had helped imprison Shinnok in the first place. Sure. Um, so, so Raiden turns around and says to Sub-Zero, I'm going to fucking kill you, dude, if you do not go get that amulet back. That was bad. At the same time, Quan Chi says, I've got this amulet that Shinnok asked for, but I'm going to keep it for myself and I'm going to switch it out and give Shinnok a fake amulet because I'm just looking oh. out for Quan Chi. Shinnok's you know not my like, friend. Shinnok's my boss. He's, he's basically Adam Sandler's character in Uncut Gems. Oh, for sure. Yeah. That's exactly right. Just, he's Howie. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Quan Chi's Howie and his uncut gem is this Shinnok amulet, which he will carry around with him like a baby blankie through this entire story. Truly. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So Sub-Zero confronts Quan Chi. Um, And by confronts, I mean he beats the ever-loving shit out of Quan Chi and just takes the amulet back from him and says, like, fuck you, Quan Chi, and bails. 
Unfortunately, the order of things was that Quan Chi gave the fake amulet to Shinnok, and then Sub-Zero accosted Quan Chi and took the real amulet. <laughs> right. So okay. now... So Sub-Zero does have the real amulet again. Yeah, and... Like, right around this time, they're like, now it's time to prepare our invasion in earnest. And Quan Chi's like, ah, shit. Uh, okay, ah. cool, 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 cool. Yeah. Um, why don't you use the real amulet that you have? And he's like, why did you call it real amulet? Why would you need that adjective? <laughs> oh, no reason. It's, mm-hmm. it's totally real. Yeah. Uh, it kind of works out okay, though. I, I wish they hadn't done this, but there's kind of a buyback in the story at this point. Sub-Zero, immediately after this, before Shinnok can do anything with, like, his invasion, goes to the tournament for Mortal Kombat 1. So that was supposed to be, like, the 10th tournament that would decide Earth's fate. He goes to the Mortal Kombat 1 tournament. He uh, is assaulted by Scorpion there, who Quan Chi, you know, feeling petty after getting beaten up by Sub-Zero, Quan Chi goes to Scorpion in the Nether Realm and is like, hey, dude, uh, Sub-Zero murdered your whole clan, actually, while you were dead. It was not oh, me. Oh, this guy is a piece of shit. Yeah. He's like, in fact, here's video footage projected onto, like, a wall of flames, because we're in the nether realm, of uh, Sub-Zero murdering your wife and child. And Scorpion's like, are you fucking kidding me? I hate that guy. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, Quan Chi sends Scorpion to the same tournament. Scorpion kills Sub-Zero, Sub-Zero gets sent to the nether realm where Quan Chi says, ha, shows you for beating me up, gets the amulet back from Sub-Zero. Wow. uh, And then, yeah, I think around then he turns Sub-Zero into a different undead revenant named Noob Saibot who would be his undead slave for all time. Wow. So, Named uh, after Ed Boone and uh, John, John Tobias, Tobias. Who, you've, mm-hmm. who you've had on your podcast. Yep. Uh, yeah, so literally, like, Revenge for Quan Chi was, I'm going to sick one zombie demon slave on this guy and then turn him into a zombie demon slave just to prove a point about not beating me up. And so he really is responsible for the biggest rivalry in, in the Mortal Kombat verse. That's oh, impressive. Directly responsible. Yeah. It was entirely oh. orchestrated by him just for some like petty bullshit and because he didn't feel like going to the temple himself. I like that. Uh-huh. I like this guy. I like yeah. this guy. I also I like that he was like, I'm not willing to go to a temple and fight a couple of elementals to get the amulet myself, but I will slaughter an entire clan of ninjas and their families. Yes, and a very, <laughs> I assume, a very skilled clan of ninjas. Extremely. The best in yeah. the world. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I like that. He's basically like, I won't do what you tell me to do. I'll do something way tougher because it's my decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's petty I like get that. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stubborn. <laughs> so uh, not long after that, you know, you know, Quan Chi secretly has the real amulet again. Shinnok has the fake one. I wish they were storming into the invasion just with the fake one because it would have been funnier. But Shinnok has the fake one. And uh, they wait it out a little bit. And eventually it's true. Shao Kahn does fuck up his whole plan. He fails to defeat Earthrealm. Liu Kang defeats Shao Kahn. And now there's like peace and prosperity among the realms, which of course is the perfect time to strike. Uh, As history on Earth has told us, you know, wait for everyone to feel like everything's kind of okay now. We beat the bad guys and that's when you go for it. So, uh, so Quan Chi and Shinnok sneak into the recently liberated realm of Edenia, 
posing as refugees from Shao Kahn's invasion. Um, and uh, as soon as they are trusted in Edenia, they immediately turn the tables and imprison everybody in Edenia. Not a great message to send, but that's what happens. <laughs> oh, yeah, that is... It's, that is fraught these days. It is. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Probably the, not a story the, that the, needs telling at this yeah, moment. Yeah, they show up in the caravan. <laughs> not good. Mm-mm. No, but uh, that's what Quan Chi did. You know, he polluted the narrative. Um, it's a Quan Chi thing to do. And so uh, he shows up. He imprisons everyone in Adenia. And uh, unfortunately, the mistake that they made in choosing Adenia to strike first is that Liu Kang, the greatest warrior Earth had ever seen, uh, who was the person who had single-handedly defeated Shao Kahn like three times, his girlfriend was ruling Adenia at this time. And so he's immediately just like, oh, fuck no. And so he gets a bunch of his friends together, and before Shinnok and Quan Chi can even make it to like a second realm, jumps Shinnok and Quan Chi and all of their Brotherhood of Darkness. And who is Liu Kang's girlfriend? Uh, Kitana. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So she had like... Her realm had just been liberated. She just became the queen of Edenia. And then immediately uh-huh. these guys show up and fuck everything up for her. Right. And um, then her boyfriend comes and rescues her. Man, this... Yeah, a lot mm-hmm. of problematic stuff going on. Yeah, they got better as it went along. But this is like... Yeah, they did. This is like Limp Biscuit era culturally for America. So Okay, it, so this is progressive. super America. advanced, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Raiden and Liu Kang and all these guys just show up. They, they jump Quan Chi and Shinnok. <laughs> and Shinnok literally, in, in just like one fell swoop, he's like... Try me, Liu Kang. I've got my special amulet. You can't do shit. And now Quan Chi has it. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So, so Liu Kang just uh, <laughs> bicycle kicks Shinnok like, through a portal back uh-huh. into the nether realm. And Quan Chi is still feeling kind of good. He's like, well, no one can stop me. I still got the amulet. I'm here. Nobody knows what I've been up to. What he wasn't counting on was that Sub-Zero Prime's little brother, who has become the new Sub-Zero, who's kind of like a good guy. Right, right, right. right, right. He gets assaulted by Scorpion, who's like, I don't trust any Sub-Zeros. Did you also kill my family? And he says, no, 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 no. That was my big brother. Also, I don't think he did it. Um, I'm a good dude. I have no quarrel with you, Scorpion. In fact... I heard a rumor that the person who killed your family was not Sub-Zero at all, someone else entirely. And Quan Chi, as we've established, loves gloating. So Quan Chi shows up with his special amulet and feeling impervious to any uh, adversity whatsoever says, that's right, Scorp, I killed your family. I don't even care. So what? You're going to find out about it eventually. Doesn't matter. You can't stop me because I got my special amulet. And he opens up a portal to the nether realm and goes to like wave bye-bye to Scorpion. And Scorpion just runs at him like a linebacker and tackles him into the portal. That seems pretty a pretty simple fix. Like yeah. he should, I mean, this is very much like Uncut Gems. Mm-hmm. This is totally like this is how I win shit. It's exactly that beat. So in, I guess in this yeah. scenario, Scorpion is, uh, was that the Eric Bogosian character? No, it was a different guy. Is that one character actor? <laughs> Yeah, he's the yeah, guy. Actually, he's the guy behind the glass saying, "You think this is funny?" That's right. Yeah, that's, that's Scorpion. Right. Yeah, Scorpion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scorpion tackles Quan Chi, uh, and they land in the Nether Realm, and the amulet skitters away, and Scorpion, um, for years, 
tortures Quan Chi in the Netherrealm. <laughs> Just kicks his ass <laughs> up and down the Netherrealm, you know, shackles him, sets him on fire you know, impales him, just all sorts of gnarly shit. And Quan Chi just has to take it because he did a stupid thing and he had to pay the price. Right. Until, by sheer luck, one day, these two Oni roll up. These guys named Dramen and Moloch. Uh, a guy with, like, a weird, scary mask and a club arm. Yeah. And uh, a giant, like, Shrek-looking dude with, uh, I don't know, he's just got, like, a big rock tied to his hand. Yeah. <laughs> so they show up, and Quan Chi's like, hey, guys, it's me, Quan Chi. Remember from the Brotherhood of Darkness? We used to be bros. And uh, he's like, could you, is there any chance you could help me out? This ninja has been torturing me for like, uh, I don't know, five, six years. And Draman and Malak are like, no problem. So they unshackle Quan Chi. They help him repel Scorpion for a minute. Quan Chi reclaims his amulet, and Draman and Malak are like, hey, man. We don't work for free. There's been like nobody ruling the nether realm for the last few years. We're basically demon mercenaries now. You got to pay us or like at least take you take us with you when you leave the nether realm. And Quan Chi's like, yeah, no problem. No problem. Uh, let's let's totally let's hang out. We're like buddies now. Well, I'll just walk you over to like where I got my wallet and I'll, I'll pay you. Yeah. So Quan yeah. Chi, <laughs> Quan Chi walks off and I don't know when he discovered this, but at some point in this long walk, he realizes that the amulet Shinnok had before, which is now his amulet, is actually like this ancient rune that is the key to a system of portals uh, to special locations in the many realms. And as they're wandering through the nether realm, he sees this one special ancient portal that goes to Outworld, and he's like, I'm going to take that. That's my exit. And instead of taking Draman and Moloch with him, he just fucking bolts. I mean, it's crazy. Why would he not? Those guys are fairly powerful. You want them to be your buddies. He yeah. Alone. They didn't mind helping him. They just wanted he's to be a, paid for their work. He's addicted to chaos. I know people like this. I've worked okay. with people like Quan Chi. Sure. Yeah. I think we've all worked the, for a Quan Chi or with a Quan Chi. Yeah, certainly. If mm -hmm. people really do some Googling, they can figure out who my Quan Chi is. Anyway, keep going. Yeah, we may have even worked for the same Quan Chi at some point. <laughs> if you go back far enough. <laughs> uh so Quan Chi runs for it leaps through this portal uses his rune to get in there and what he finds is this really interesting place it's a temple it is the temple of this guy called the dragon king onaga and as Quan Chi explores this temple like cool mortal Kombat indiana jones style he discovers that this guy onaga used to be the emperor of outworld a long time ago when Shao Kahn was the god who was supposed to be protecting Outworld. And then one day Shao Kahn was like, fuck Onaga, I want to be a god and an emperor. And so he murdered the emperor and he took over. But when Onaga was alive, Onaga was a really powerful guy. He was like a super necromancer and his whole thing was that he had an army that he would just in continually resurrect so they were unkillable. Okay. So, so you couldn't stop Onaga because he just had an unkillable army. And this army is still here in the temple. They're kind dead. of like the White Walkers. Yeah, exactly like the White Walkers. So the White Walker army is like still here. They're like in uh, this temple and with enough necromancy power, in theory, you could make them your army today. And Quan Chi is like, yeah, I fucking, I want this army, but I'm, I'm a soul guy, but I'm more like a demons guy than I am a soul guy. Souls are like my secondary skill. 
I wonder sure. if I know anyone who's like a real soul magic guy that could help me out. He thinks back and he remembers. Hey, there was that Shang Tsung dude. He was kind of a cool guy. He was where I was. Oh, yeah. He was in like we a vice. Along. He was in a vice we president vibed. role. Yeah, we vibed. <laughs> and so uh, he seeks out Shang Tsung and he says, hey, man, I want to make a deal with you. We team up, right? I give you whatever you want. You tell me what you're into. You hook me up by supercharging this special amulet so that I can use it to resurrect this unkillable army. And then together, we can rule the fucking world. What do you want? And Shang Tsung says, that sounds good to me. My whole thing is like, as the more souls I can get, the better. That's how I stay young. So, I'm a souls guy. Hardcore souls yeah, guy. Yeah, he says, I'm a soul man. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. They both put on the shades. They do the whole Blues Brothers routine. <laughs> yeah. And um, no, Shang Tsung has a really specific request. He says, I would love it if you could help me make a, a soul NATO, which is uh-huh. a tornado um, made of souls. Made of souls. Yeah. <laughs> and I was actually, so this has come up many times in the podcast, the soul NATO, trying to figure out what the purpose of the soul NATO is, why soul NATO is even a thing in Mortal Kombat. And uh, the answer is, it becomes a little clearer every time it comes up. The answer is that canonically soul natos are just a thing <laughs> they're a way that one can travel to heaven because like there are people dying every day right and their souls are going whoosh, up in a soul uh-huh. up to heaven so the elder gods can then you know disperse the souls again right and uh yeah so shang Tsung's basically like i want you to help me create one of our own and i'll use it to suck up all these souls and if the Elder Gods ever try to give me guff, I can murder them because it'll be access to the Elder Gods. Uh, so that's the deal. You make me a Solnado. I give you a super amulet. We have this undead army. We rule it for all eternity. No downsides. Uh, no downsides. And there's no way either of us would ever betray each other, even though we are notorious backstabbers. We're because both we're agreeing. Guys. Yeah, we're right. agreeing. But like, we won't betray like each other. Right. Now, this is totally <laughs> diplomacy all over again. <laughs> I hope you're not feeling triggered by the story. <laughs> um, so they actually do a pretty smart thing. They First off, they have to come up with a cool name for their Deadly Alliance. Um, and the name they come up with is uh, the Deadly Alliance. Yeah, I remember that one. That was a <laughs> yeah. good one. Yeah, it was a great one. It's, it's one yeah. of my favorites. This whole yeah, arc, really the saw. like Deadly Alliance, Deception, Armageddon arc, was a lot of fun. It's also where shit went like extremely off the rails narratively, but it's kind of the Those best. Those games are great, yeah. They really are. They're super. They're floaty. They're fun. They're a good time. And the blood, for some reason, was like weird little three D globs that looked like caterpillars crawling yeah. across the screen. I feel like the only Mortal Kombat games that I didn't like really love were like I didn't love three, and then I what what happens after three? Four. You go three D. The first 3D game, the Shinnok one. Didn't love one. the first 3D yeah. one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Didn't love the first 3D one. And then what's after that? Then I liked it's, all the other that's ones. That's all the other ones. Yeah. And then uh, yeah. did you play Mortal Kombat versus DC Universe? Because that was... Of course. It's a yeah. fucking wild game. <laughs> yeah. No, I played that one. That was uh, great. I, I covered the story mode recently on this podcast. And there is a shot in the story mode where batman is driving the batmobile with an unconscious scorpion sitting in the passenger seat i knew exactly what you were gonna say it's amazing it's It's one of the best images committed to i remember that very specifically (laughs) just cruising around with an unconscious scorpion we have made a hell of hell for ourselves (laughs) uh the best (laughs) so 
Quan Chi and Shang Tsung form the Deadly Alliance. And they actually immediate, they immediately do something smarter than what all their predecessors have done before. And that is that they immediately go to Outworld and they murder Shao Kahn, who's not as strong as he used to be, but is still alive. But they're like, let's cover our bases. They murder Shao Kahn um, by like showing up and Shang Tsung's like, hey, Shao Kahn, I made this new friend Quan Chi and he just picked today, Wednesday, to pledge his allegiance to you. You should meet this guy. And Quan Chi was like, hey, man, does this sword look bloody to you? And just like stabbed him. <laughs> and that was it. That was their genius plan. Um, but they murdered Shao Kahn. And then equally genius move, they showed up to Liu Kang's temple where he was meditating and uh, they just walked up behind him and snapped his neck. Great. Very <laughs> solid. Yeah. Took him down. So uh, the Deadly Alliance has succeeded in taking out the two biggest foes they could possibly face. And uh, they immediately go about uh, bringing back this deadly undead army forever. So they offer Kano, this mercenary from Earth who had been working as like the general of Shao Kahn's army. They offer him a position of power. They go, hey, you and your mercenaries, the Black Dragon, uh, we'll give you the power you seek in our new deadly alliance to government uh, if you help us by enslaving a village in Outworld and making them build a palace that uh, for some reason we need to make this Solnado. Obviously, Solnados need a, a proper foundation. <laughs> wow! So they, uh, yeah, they have, they have, they enslave a whole village and they make them build a palace for Solnado. Then the Deadly Alliance goes to the Red Dragons, who are the rivals of the Black Dragons. <laughs> Total Quan Chi move. Such a Quan Chi move, and they go to their leader Mavado, and they say, "Hey, we'll murder Kano and the Black Dragons." Great. If you do us a favor and just murder, like, a few more of our enemies. We have a few people you know who have it in for us, so just, like, go they kill They should do, like, when somebody's doing hiring for a job, you, like, check up on them. You look at their employment history. Mm -hmm. They should have done just the bare minimum of research on Quan Chi's MO, because this is what this guy does. Yeah. Everyone he's worked with died, and he's continued yeah. to jump between companies, you know? Is it's Movado the, the bug guy? No, Mavado's the guy who has like, uh, he's almost I'm like Omega Red from X Men. He's got like these like cables that fly out of his hands that are like hooks, but he also has hooks. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 of course. That he stole I know from, that guy. Yeah, he stole cabals yeah, yeah, yeah. like hook swords. Guy. Of yeah, course, yeah. of course. Yeah. Um, I, I know this guy. Yeah, he's he's fine. He's kind of got like an edge lordy look to him. This is the era sure. for a lot of that. Yeah. So. uh... So they basically tell him, like, yeah, if the Red Dragon can assassinate a few of our enemies and, like, guard us, we'll let you kill Kano later. And they said, great. <laughs> then, this is literally just a nonstop parade. All of the deals they made were backstabby. Shang Tsung goes they to the really Nether Realm. It's insane. <laughs> Shang Tsung goes to the Nether Realm. He finds Draman and Moloch. And he goes, hey, guys, are you still pissed at Quan Chi? And they're like, yeah, he owes us bare minimum, like, 50 bucks. But honestly, like, he owes us more than that. And yeah. Shang Tsung is like, cool, if you murder Quan Chi at the end of all of this, once we've attained power so that I can be sovereign, uh, I'll give you, like, whatever you want. I'll pay you guys what he owes you and then some. I'll give you this 80 bucks. The, this is like the opening of The Dark Knight when the Joker has a plan. <laughs> like, all right, you're going to kill this guy, like the bank robbery thing. Yeah. That's what this is, yeah. Exactly. So, uh... Quan Chi and Shang Tsung make all their deals and uh, everything kind of works out. 
they make the palace, they make the Solnado, they supercharge the amulet, they start to bring the undead army back to life. Things are kind of working, uh, and that's when Raiden and the surviving Earthrealm warriors storm the Solnado palace. You know, they don't have Liu Kang, but they still have Katana, they got Johnny Cage, they got Sonya Blade, they got a bunch I of heavy hitters. Th- yeah, I remember this. And they show up and, you know, history would tell us that they stopped the bad guys. Um, but nope, Quan Chi and Shang Tsung just fully murder all of them. They murder Katana, they murder Sonya, they murder Johnny Cage. Yeah, Raiden's the only correct. person left alive and they kick his ass too. And uh, the last two people standing with this undead army before them are Quan Chi and Shang Tsung. And that's when they turn on each other and start fighting. Yes. <laughs> Of course. This is like my favorite cutscene in all of Mortal Kombat is like this cutscene. Yeah, they start fighting. Uh, and it looks like Quan Chi is actually going to win. He picks Shang Tsung up by his throat and he uh, kind of snaps his neck, which I don't think is a thing that can necessarily fully kill Shang Tsung, but it definitely slows him it's down, ni- you know? It's a nice cutscene. It's a really good, it's a good, it makes for just a nice, pleasant cutscene to watch. Yeah. And uh, it seems like Quan Chi got everything he ever wanted. He's got his undead army. He's got power. There's no one left to stop him until the Dragon King Onaga is reborn. Oh, shit. Fucking oops. (laughs) Onaga shows up and he's like, hey, dipshit. Thanks for bringing my army back. Quan Chi gets ready to fight him. Shang Tsung manages to stand next to Quan Chi and say, I too will fight this common enemy. And then even Raiden gets up and is like, I'm still alive just barely and I will pull forces with you because the one thing we know is that better the devil you know and we got to stop the Sonaga guy. So Raiden, Quan Chi... They're basically kind of like the Lincoln Project. They're exactly like the Lincoln Project in that they're entirely ineffective and a massive waste of everyone's time and energy because as soon as they try to fight uh, Dragon King Onaga, it's, a f- it's futile. It does nothing. They're powerless. He murders Quan Chi. He murders Shang Tsung. Raiden tries to sacrifice himself by blasting himself, exploding himself, uh, and giving up all of his energy to stop Onaga. It does nothing. It flattens the palace, the surrounding area, but Onaga is unscathed. He's unkillable. He's a master necromancer. He's also like half dragon, which I guess means something. Dragons are particularly unique, I guess. He's like a dragon yeah. guy. It's a thing. Yeah, Liu Kang's uh, my one, one of my favorite uh, fatalities of his from Mortal Kombat Two is dragon. Yeah, he does dragon stuff, and that's really strong for Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Sure. So uh, Onaga stands up, he picks up Quan Chi's signature uh, amulet, and he says, time for me to conquer the realms, <laughs> which is the only thing anyone could think to do in this, this series. That's what you do. You're like, right, yeah, I got to go pick up some milk, conquer the realms, and you know, I yeah. got a video game night. Yeah, what do I got on the shopping list? Souls. Uh, yeah. and, and here's where we reach your favorite Mortal Kombat, Armageddon. So uh, Quan Chi is not dead after all. He managed to, as the palace was collapsing and Raiden was spewing his energy juice everywhere, uh, Quan Chi managed to open up a real quick little portal and dive back into the nether realm. And while he's down there, he encounters his old boss, Shinnok, 
who's like, not so fucking easy to take over the realms, is it, loser? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Is he still holding his stupid plastic amulet? He's holding his plastic amulet. And he's like, I figured out this was fake like a week ago. Can you imagine how stupid I felt? <laughs> I thought I wasn't good enough, but it was just this dumbass amulet you gave me. Uh, yeah, he says, you owe me for a lot of emotional pain. Um, but it's not just Shinnok that's down there in the nether realm. It's also Shao Kahn who was killed, Shang Tsung who was killed. All these people that Quan Chi has betrayed uh, are down there in the nether realm, and it's super embarrassing, and they're all pissed. And as they're kind of at each other's throats, <laughs> Onaga shows up because he also failed to conquer the realms and was also killed. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. And so. I remember Onaga. I liked Onaga. Yeah, he's cool. He looks like. Uh, honestly, he looks like a Tekken character. But. He does. That's right. He looks yeah. like. Um, yes, he totally does. Totally does. That's, that's okay. what I like about. Yeah, the Mortal Kombat aesthetic is uh, described, I, best described as all over the place. It's loosey-goosey, yeah. It's loosey-goosey, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's a t- the technical term. Um, it's pretty malleable, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you know, even Onaga failed, he was eventually defeated by some of the surviving warriors in Earthrealm. And uh, as the bad guys are kind of hanging out, just feeling sorry for themselves in the Netherrealm, they find out there might be a chance that at least one of them can bounce back because it's Armageddon time, baby. Apparently, there has been this prophecy that if the warriors of all the realms ever became too powerful, it would trigger um, a pyramid to rise in Edenia, and at the top of the pyramid would be a fire god named Blaze, an elemental, and if anyone got to the top of the pyramid and they beat Blaze they would attain the power of the one being, which would let them erase all of the world or control all the realms, including the elder gods and have entirely like super sovereign magic power. They were really running at it. You know, this is the end of the original timeline. They were like, shit, shit, shit. I mean, that seems pretty, uh, that seems like a pretty crazy thing to put in. There's all these like fail saves, but also, Hey, a pyramid rises. That'll be the most, uh, you know, everyone's going to see this fucking thing. And if you get to the top, all our fail saves fail. Yeah. So, um, so all the bad guys hanging out in the nether realm are like, tell you what, let's team up. Let's get all the bad guys on one side. Let's do a big war. And then we'll try to get to the top of the pyramid. And then we can decide, you know, whoever gets to the top gets to the top. You know, it's, uh, at least we know it'll be one of us really cool guys. Right. Yeah. And uh, that's what they do. They show up at this big battle. The pyramid rises. They're all fighting at the base of this pyramid. Um, And Quan Chi makes it really close to the top. He almost gets there. But Shang Tsung uses his powers to hurl Quan Chi off of the pyramid. It's like his last chance to get a little bit of revenge from when Quan Chi turned on him back in the day. Always the uh, bridesmaid. That's, That's Quan Chi's thing. Always the arch sorcerer, never the one being. Never the one being. <laughs> and uh, Quan Chi dies that day, fully. He, he gets thrown to the bottom of the pyramid. He dies. And uh, in fact, everyone does because as many of us know, the person who makes it to the top of that pyramid and kills the one being is Shao Kahn of all people. Shao Kahn is about to consume the power of the one being and end reality as we know it when Raiden... Uh, manages to send a message to his younger self back in time 
that will hopefully stop Ooh. Shao Kahn from getting here in the first place. And that message is, do you know, do you know what the message is, Camille? No. It's very helpful. It's exactly the thing you'd want to tell your younger self if you wanted to make sure that you specifically stopped Shao Kahn from attaining the power that would allow him to get to the top of the pyramid and defeat an elemental in order to become the one being. The message that he sends back in time is, he must win. Oh, could not be more <laughs> vague. Did he yeah. only get three words? Is that what it was? Uh, the time span Even- that he had to send a message and decide what it was, was um, the time between Shao Kahn raising a Warhammer and the Warhammer landing on Raiden's head and smashing it like a Gallagher watermelon. Still, he must win. Is That's not the one. No. That's not the one. You could certainly do better. I will say I'll take this moment to shout out the fact that one of uh, the most dedicated Mortal Podcast listeners, uh, Final Neil... Um, he's a contractor, and he has started writing He Must Win on the insides of walls of houses that he has been helping to oh build. Oh, my God. I will tell you, that <laughs> if I move into a house and I see hidden somewhere the words He Must Win, I am moving later that day. Later that, that is day? terrifying. Well, oh, I am moving out. I am leaving. Well, just, I, I, Even if I, don't put together, if I don't put together Mortal Kombat thing, that's like mm-hmm. some actual Lucifer shit. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll say I, w- I did follow his lead. I had to, um, I had to patch the ceiling in the nursery. I'm having a, a kid soon, and uh, I went to paint the ceiling in what will be her room. And uh, I accidentally ripped the entire ceiling in half because it was very poorly constructed. And I had to repatch the whole ceiling. And I did write, "He must win" on the board. Uh, the, Good like, man. Baseboard I'm glad you're taking. Board. I'm glad you're taking impending fatherhood so seriously. I am. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One day she will ask. Dad, I ripped the ceiling apart for no reason, discovered the phrase he must win. And I didn't tell you, but for the last three years, it's been driving me slowly insane. And why, Father? What does it why? mean? What does it mean? And okay. I'll say it was but Sit a simple down. prank. <laughs> yeah. Sit down. Let's play okay. through the first nine Mortal Kombat games. <laughs> so he, uh, old Raiden tells young Raiden he must win. How does yeah. young Raiden understand that? What, what does he understand that to mean? Um, well, he understands it poorly is the answer. It basically creates a whole new timeline in which things go pretty poorly for almost everyone for a very long time. Um, and eventually this timeline gets chucked into the trash because of how poorly it goes. So Raiden, circa like the first Mortal Kombat game, hears the phrase he must win rattling around in his head. And in trying to interpret it, Butterfly affects a whole new timeline where everybody makes slightly worse decisions because of the bad decisions that Raiden's making. And what game is this now? Uh, Mortal Kombat 9, the reboot game. Okay, sure, mm-hmm. sure. So course, it's a reboot, course, but course. it's also like it's like a Star Trek-y kind of reboot. It's like a reboot right. where it's like, here's a new timeline where everything yeah, you I know like happened, but now it's happening differently. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed that game. That's probably yeah. my favorite experience playing a Mortal Kombat game. So... Uh, as far as Quan Chi goes, things are not that different f- at first. He, you know, manipulates Scorpion. He serves Shinnok. Uh, he turns Sub-Zero into Noob Saibot. He All that stuff's the same. He's helping Shinnok behind the scenes. But um, in this timeline, instead of meeting up with Shang Tsung and kind of forging that friendship at the very beginning where he's like, yeah, you give me the amulet location. I'll give you Sindel's soul. Your soul NATO, yeah. 
Instead, he steps in and says, Shao Kahn, my name is Quan Chi. I can help you resurrect Sindel if you really want your ex-wife's uh, soul. And so he kind of bumps Shang Tsung out of the picture early on. He goes, yeah, he, he, he goes above his head. Yeah, he does. And uh, in doing so, Shao Kahn actually kills Shang Tsung himself because he says, if I'm going to have my wife back, I'll just suck up all the souls in your body and I'll supercharge my wife. Solid move. Mm-hmm. Like a like a dark sorcerer Borat. He says, my wife, and fills yeah. her up with the souls. And so uh, in this timeline, there's like no Shang Tsung for Quan Chi to team up with or to compete with. So things start to go very differently for him right away. And so uh, Sindel being supercharged, again, in the butterfly effect of it all, she manages to kill all of the good guys that we know. She kills Katana. She kills... Uh, who else did she murder? I think Jax. She kills uh, even Sub-Zero, I believe. Um, she kills like pretty much everyone we know except for Liu Kang. And this failure on Raiden's part to protect all these people Liu Kang cares about drives Liu Kang kind of nuts. They get into a fight, and then Raiden accidentally murders Liu Kang. So all these people who have been obstacles for Quan Chi are off the table. Oh, things. everything's coming at Quan Chi. Everything's coming up Quan Chi. And on top of it all... Because of a deal he brokered with Shao Kahn, all these good guy souls, including Liu Kang, wind up in the nether realm as servants of Quan Chi and thus Shinnok. They become his, like, personal army. It's fucked up. And uh, just like before, Quan Chi waits it out until Shao Kahn's defeated, and that's when it's time for Shinnok's rise to power. But again, butterfly effect. This time, Shinnok's plan no longer involves a fake-out caravan spreading uh poor will towards right. towards you know people who need help instead quan chi uh and this army of netherrealm onis and this army of like undead good guys stage an assault on raiden's sky temple which is where his like it's like his base of operations protecting earth and another good cutscene, if i remember terrific cutscene. you get a lot of onis getting sliced in half it's really fun to watch and in this timeline shinnok's plan is to corrupt earth's jinsei chamber which is where all of earth's like balance and energy is kept and that's his his whole idea but his plan fails he is repelled by one of the last remaining earth realm warriors the last person we expected to stand in shinnok's way uh one of earth's most popular movie stars johnny cage <laughs> which Great. yeah it's it's literally like if uh aliens invaded said they were going to destroy earth and actual Tom Cruise was the person to stop them. <laughs> well, you remember when Mark Wahlberg said that he would have stopped 9-11? It's not God so different. fucking damn it. Yeah, I do. Yeah, it's exactly like that. This is like if Mark right. Wahlberg actually stopped 9-11. Yeah. Yeah. This is uh, Mark Wahlberg's hazy fever dream. <laughs> okay, yeah. so Johnny Cage defeats the baddies. Shao Kahn doesn't get to do what he wants to do. Correct. And what's interesting in this timeline is Quan Chi is still hedging his bets on Shinnok being his key to power. He doesn't take the opportunity to rise to power himself. He's even more of a zealot in this timeline. He's like, he, he really kind of buys into what Sh- Shinnok's selling. So instead okay. of forgetting about Shinnok, Shinnok actually gets trapped in his own amulet this time. The amulet is taken away. Oh, hate uh, when that happens, right? When you get trapped in your own amulet. Oh, uh, it's a fucking word. It actually happened to me last week. And uh, yeah, it, ruined uh, my week. it ruins your ruins your week. Yeah, quarantine's hard enough as is being stuck in my house. Right, last I thing know. I want is to be stuck in my 
amulet. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> it's your amulet. Oh, anyway. I can't even enjoy my amulet anymore. And uh, yeah, so <laughs> Shinnok uh, is trapped in the amulet. Actually, Quan Chi holds on to the amulet, but he has to kind of like run away to the nether realm with his army and hide. And so he's plotting revenge with his little amulet and Shinnok in there. And he's kind of just like rubbing the amulet. And he's like, one day, Shinnok, I'll let you out of there. And after a few years, um, a clandestine military wing from Earth, I think from America, just just America, uh, called the Special Forces, is dispatched to the Nether Realm um, to kind of like you know bring stability to the Nether Realm. <laughs> sure. Yeah, we do that a lot. We do it all the time. People. It's like yeah. our whole thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they send special forces to the Nether Realm, and literally with a bunch of machine guns, these dudes show up, shoot a bunch of like undead horses and like onis. Uh, and force Quan Chi down to the ground and take his amulet away because they don't trust him and they don't like him out there doing his own thing. And in the process, they even free some of Quan Chi's revenants, including Sub-Zero and Scorpion. So now in this timeline, he no longer has his little henchmen. He doesn't have Sub-Zero. He doesn't have Scorpion. He's kind of on his own. He's got a handful of revenants left. Quan Chi is very much depowered. And so now he has to rely on subterfuge. He, he has these sort of agents of the Brotherhood of Shadow among the various realms that all uh, have pledged their souls to Shinnok. You know, they're kind of Satan worshippers and are helping to get that amulet back into Quan Chi's hands. Um, around this time, Sub-Zero makes peace with Scorpion and tells him the truth. It's Quan Chi that murdered your family. And so... Uh, right. Yeah, it's... It's fucked. Um, and so all these elements, all these timelines converged. Special forces decide we need to actually extract Quan Chi from the nether realm. There's too much at stake right now. Things are getting, we're, we heard the amulets out there. We don't want Shinnok to get freed. We heard it's being sold on like the black market. So they kidnap Quan Chi. They bring him to like a military base in like San Jose. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I around think I read the, about that on New York Times. <laughs> Yeah, it was like rumored, but then no one confirmed yeah. it. The CIA denied that they had possession of Quan Chi. They say yeah, they didn't on. expect we all know. him. We know he's in San Jose. We know he's at the base, but they won't let anyone drive near it. They won't let any journalists there. Um, Vice did a whole video on it. Yeah, of course, Vice is involved. Yeah, the San Jose Nether Realm black site. Uh, yeah, and so uh, Around the time, they got Quan Chi. They don't know where the amulet is. They're trying to figure it out. Scorpion finds out that Quan Chi is the architect of his pain. So he and the remaining ninjas of the Shiryu show up at the San Jose base. They uh, hold These ninjas hold all these American soldiers hostage at the Special Forces base so that Scorpion can find Quan Chi and extract his revenge. Um, and then very quickly, things shit goes down. Uh, this one agent of the Brotherhood of Shadow who's managed to get the amulet through a lot of like wheeling and dealing and black black uh, market stuff, she shows up with the amulet. She throws it to Quan Chi, who says all the magic words he has to say to free Shinnok in the brief moment before Scorpion slices his head off, killing uh-huh. Quan Chi. And that well, is actually Shinnok's back. But that's actually the end of Quan Chi's story. He doesn't live to see Shinnok come back. He doesn't live to see any of the payoff for the various people that he had like bore grudges against or, or fought over his lifetime. 
it all uh, means nothing. It is all for nothing, as Howie says in, in Uncut Gems. Well, but I think that's great. I think he ultimately sacrificed himself for the guy that he should have been working for the whole time, right from the beginning. He's supposed to be serving Shinnok. Mm-hmm. He's double-crossed him. He's quadruple-crossed everybody, all of this. And at the end, right at the end, I think this is a redemption story. At the end, he sacrifices himself for the guy that he should have been serving the entire time. So I consider this a win. Yeah, it's a win for Quan Chi. I think that makes sense because if you think about it, all he was was... And I quote, a traveling sorcerer wandering among the realms who was able to travel between them without being detected by the Elder Gods. That's all Quan Chi was when Shinnok found yeah. him. Yeah, and, and then he's become a major mover and shaker. His name's in the history books over and over. I mm-hmm. mean, he's in the New York Times. Vice did a whole story on him. I mean, I think, honestly, best case scenario for Quan Chi. So is he currently dead? Quan Chi's currently dead, but here's something that I find interesting. So at the end of the most recent game, uh, the god of time, the titan of time, she gets really right, pissed right, right. that Raiden like did all this, uh, you know, clandestine time shit and made his own timeline. She doesn't love that. Plus, she happens to be oops, Shinnok's mom. She doesn't love that her son is like super dead in this timeline. So she tries to erase all of time and succeeds, but just as she does so, Liu Kang actually manages to murder her and take her role so where we are now in mortal Kombat is that Liu kang will be architecting a new timeline starting at the very dawn of time and um actually the expansion pack they released gave us a little more story to imply what he's gonna do i can tell you i don't want to spoil it for you if you want to wait yeah, don't spoil it for me because I am right. going to play it. It's this pretty makes me exciting. It. It's pretty exciting if you know deep Mortal Kombat lore because it goes into very di- deep MK lore. I knew that there was a lot of deep MK lore because, as I said, I tried to look through it. And it, it was one of those things where over the years, like, I just couldn't retain any of it because it was always, like, years apart. And I loved the game so much. So, like, I, I always liked the, the storyline and the cutscenes, but I couldn't really retain any of it. Mm-hmm. So this has been very, very helpful for me. Obviously, it's been specifically Quan Chi's story, but this guy has been so involved in such an integral part of so many different games and storylines that I feel like I have a much better lay of the land now. This has yeah. been very helpful. Thank it touches you. on every game. You know, they since they got Quan Chi, they've been trying to make good use of him. Also, I would recommend go on youtube and look up the cutscenes from mortal Kombat mythologies sub-zero they did okay. a bunch of like really low budget full motion video cutscenes with a quan <laughs> chi who is like dude goes for it it's fun okay. he's mincing this he's like exciting. power rangers villain performance Love it. yeah great i gotta find that what, guy what, i gotta get him this on is the, the sub-zero mythology the mortal Kombat yeah. mythology sub-zero yeah which was like a prequel to mk4 and like yeah. a weird like hybrid full motion video side scroller kind of using what looks a little bit like the MK3 engine the, but it's not okay it's like pretty broken but the cutscenes are pretty fun and they've got that weird like really like derezzed look to them that all the like PS1 video cutscenes had i remember very very well it's yeah. like better than night trap but not a lot better yeah it's like slightly better than night trap yeah um yeah, that's Quan Chi's story. I, I like your takeaway. I agree. It's a redemption story. He finally figured out who he really owed all this time and figured out a way to uh, pay them back, even though it, it went poorly and fell apart. I'm, I'm, I'm very glad we did Quan Chi because this guy's really 
he's got a lot going on. He does. He's definitely, he was top seven. Now I would say he's top five. Oh shit. I feel like you're going to dive yeah. into some Quan Chi soon and I'm excited for you. You know? Yeah. Be, yeah do some I MKX will. Quan Chi. He's got a little green bat. He throws green fireballs. A lot of fun. I've definitely played him a bunch in that one. Definitely. Oh yeah. Well, Kamel, there's just one segment left in the podcast. Uh, some might say the most important segment. And that segment is called Choose Your Destiny. It's a time in which I ask you, Kumail, now that you know the many realms, the many kinds of creatures that live there, different factions, and obviously you've played the games uh, and understand the fatalities and kind of the economy of the world of Mortal Kombat, if you existed in the world of Mortal Kombat, who would you be? Not which current existing character are you. I want you to design your very own Mortal Kombat character that you would be in the world of Mortal Kombat. Oh my God! What? Who? Who would I be? Okay, mm-hmm. okay, okay. That's interesting. New character. I would definitely be. Um, I want to be a guy who's sort of who's sort of cool with everybody. Mm-hmm. A little bit like Quan Chi, but more for the good guys. So I would be like on the good guy's side, but I would definitely have like sort of the dirt on them. So if I saw Mm -hmm. that shit was about to change, I would like defect over. So I would be a good guy with the safety net. And my move actually would be, I would have a net that I would sort of throw on people. And um, I forget who one of the robot ninjas had a thing that would like cuts people into cubes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would definitely have, have that kind of thing. Um, and my powers would be obviously I would do projectiles a lot because I, yeah. I like projectiles and I, and I like Kung Lao uh, throwing his hat. So I would like some sort of article of clothing that I could throw that could come back mm-hmm. to me. Shoes. I would throw my shoes. Cool. Um, I would throw my shoes. I have a safety net that is named very ironically because if you're in the net, <laughs> you ain't safe. <laughs> you're going to die. Um, and he's he's a good guy. But he's got a, a backup plan. So he would be a guy that for a few games would be totally good. And then four or five games in, suddenly he turns heel. That's mm. my guy. Okay. Are you like an Earthrealmer in this scenario? Or are you like from another realm, but you're like, I'm going to help the good guys out? No, I'm an Earthrealmer. Okay. I'm an Earthrealmer. So then what happens is when I turn evil... He's an Earthrealm guy who's now like really climbed the ranks and become super evil. And, um, uh, you know, he doesn't really have magic. He has gadgets and skill. He's like gadgets Batman. Gadgets and gizmos. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So you're like a, an amoral Batman. <laughs> yes. But in the yeah. beginning, he seems very moral. And right. he is moral until morality doesn't pay the bills. And then he turns evil. Objectivist Batman. <laughs> That's correct. That's exactly <laughs> what he is. I like it. Good. Good answer. Okay. I'd like to see that. Maybe we can get some fan art going. And when well, he turns evil, it weighs heavily on him, so he gets like a little streak of white hair. Right. Because he, there is still a good guy in there, and so the it, it does hurt him. It exacts a price, and that price is... So you can tell when he's gone mm-hmm. bad, he's got like Jay Leno white streak right. in his hair. It feels like he's like a survivor, and that's the argument he would make when he inevitably turns back to the good... Like the bad guys he defeated, and he's like, I helped. Right when I yeah. saw things were falling apart, I actually stabbed that guy once. So that's right. I think that's right. I, I threw the net. Right. Remember? Exactly. <laughs> he's doing. He's doing what he's gonna do. You know. I mean, the yeah. realms are hard. It's true. <laughs> the realms are hard. Yeah. Great. Well, Kamel, thank you so much for joining the show. It was truly a pleasure to have you. Uh, always great to have a true MK fan. Um, where can people find more Kamel? You got anything to plug? You got anything cool coming up that people should should check out? 
Well, it's kind of tough, but right now on, oh God, I don't even remember the date. The next thing that I have coming up is I was in a movie called uh, Eternals, The Eternals. It comes out, it's a Marvel movie, it's a new Marvel franchise. Uh, comes out February 12th. It's got uh, an amazing cast. It's got Selma Hayek, uh, Angelina Jolie, Kit Harrington, Richard Madden, Gemma Chan. I mean, it's got like an amazing cast. Mm. So I would say that's definitely the next thing I have coming out. It is also by far the biggest thing yeah. uh, that I have. Are you <laughs> I sure? <laughs> yeah, there's no other uh, uh, big franchise things I have coming up, but I'm very, very excited for this movie. I haven't seen it, but, uh, you know, follow along. I hope, uh, you know, I hope we stick to the... We were supposed to come out in November. Now it's February, and fingers crossed that stays. I will say on a personal reasons. note, uh, in my career, I actually started on the Nerdist side of things. That was how I started writing full-time. So I was I going to Meltdown that. and seeing you and Jonah do stand-up all the time. And uh, it is extremely fucking cool to me that I, like, watched you go from, like, that guy I'd go see do stand-up every Wednesday to writing that um, amazing movie, getting, like, an Oscar nomination to starring in a fucking Marvel movie. It's awesome, dude. I'm, yeah, man. I'm just Thank so psyched. You. Thank you. I hope yeah. this Marvel movie, <laughs> you know, it's one of those where I'm like, I hope it comes out. Of course it's going to come it out. It will. But, and know, I have a feeling yeah. people will watch the uh, giant new marvel movie yeah <laughs> i hope so man yeah. well thanks for having me that was super Absolutely. super fun yeah cool well everyone thank you for listening and as always finish them <laughs>